Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And today on my 25th episode, I have my first return guest for my very first episode, QB coach at Simon Fraser University, Mr. Jay Prepchak. How's it going, Coach? Hey, Coach, it's going great. It's going great. Thanks again for having me. Always great to talk quarterbacks, no matter where you are in the country, and um, especially now during our crazy time, of course, it's uh, it's good to kind of keep football uh, alive, and we're able to do a little bit of that out here. So um, uh, certainly looking forward to chatting with you again, Coach. Thanks again for having me. Going back to that to that first episode, so just I've, I've alluded to it a few times on the podcast, about uh, how just it kind of organically the podcast came to be. I never really thought of myself as becoming a podcaster or an influencer or whatever you call this. What happened was I was running my webinar series for big air quarterbacks in December of 2020. And I set it up so that every week we had a, yeah, it was a four week series that there would be a lesson plan. I would have a guest speaker come on the, the quarterbacks that are on, on the session could ask questions and kind of go from there. So Coach, you were my first guest on there, and uh, anybody that really knows me knows that uh, computer technology is not my strong suit, and uh, sure enough, uh, it was a great session, but the computer froze up. I was trying to record everything that was going on. Coach, you had tremendous insight and just uh, knowledge that you were given the QBs, and it all got lost, so uh, I remember I contacted you afterwards, and I, I kind of felt stupid asking you, but I, I wanted to, you know, get you back on and re-record and kind of ask those things, because it was... I, you know, super important for the guys to hear. Um, and so we planned for, you know, later on in the week. And as that day approached, I was kind of, you know, writing out some questions and thinking about it. And since COVID's been going on, I've been working from home. So I, uh, I listen to podcasts all day long and it was just sort of a light bulb moment. Ding! And it was like, Hey, why don't you just try and, you know, maybe run this as a podcast and, and see what happens. And to be honest, when I broached the, the subject to you, if you would have said no, uh, that probably would have been the end of it. So, you know, we're tw- <laughs> we're 25 episodes in and, and it's been awesome. So thank you for uh, for agreeing to be my first guest and for being back on today. Coach, can you just give my audience, for those of you that, that don't know you, can you, uh, you know, fill them in with your football background? Sure. Just uh, real quick, guys. Uh, born, in, born in Regina, Saskatchewan. So still a big uh, Rough Rider fan, of course, and uh, moved to the West Coast um, when I was uh, grade seven, played high school football. Um, Hansworth School in North Vancouver. Uh, from there, I was fortunate enough to get a football scholarship and played for four years at Simon Fraser University and uh, got my degree, teaching degree. Had a very brief tryout. I mean brief, unfortunately, but I was in a pro training camp and uh, I was a pro football player for two weeks. And guess where I was? I was in Saskatchewan. So it was quite uh, exciting to be back in Regina, my hometown, as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider for uh, two weeks and uh, got cut, came back, got into coaching, high school coaching for many years, head football coach at UBC for three years, back to high school coaching, uh, retired from high school coaching four years ago, uh, was fortunate enough to work with Blake Neal and Taylor Neal and uh, Pat Tracy and the gang at uh, University of British Columbia for three years. And uh, uh really enjoyed working with uh with those folks and uh actually 
it was my third stint at UBC because I was with Frank Smith in the mid eighties and okay. learned so much from a great man, uh, Frank Smith, of course. And, uh, then uh, from my days at UBC now, it's to present and still running my quarterback camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, 28 years now, coach. So yeah. this is uh, 28 consecutive years. So I know you've got a few years to go, but I know mm-hmm. you'll make it that far. And uh, sure it's been so. it's just been super exciting. I mean, I, I had a quarterback session today and woke up this morning super excited about being able to get on with you, coach, and do another podcast, but also to be able to coach and work with a young quarterback and um hopefully get a chance to coach at Simon Fraser University mm-hmm. get kind of getting back home a little bit for me but back to Simon Fraser University and working with the quarterbacks let's just keep our fingers crossed see if the border opens obviously because yeah. as most of you know uh, Simon Fraser is NCAA Division two so we actually opened September 4th in the Kibbe Dome in Moscow Idaho against University of Idaho where in 1980 and 1981 we opened and played our opening games at the KB Dome in Moscow. So I'm heading back there after what? That's 30 years. Gosh, 30 wow. years later, I'm going to be, or is it 40? So 40, 40, 40 years, 40 years later, years, back in the Kibbe Dome there. So, <laughs> wow. and then uh, just uh, coaching, hopefully again, Simon Fraser. So against uh, Washington schools, Montana schools, Oregon schools. Uh, we even travel down to Texas. So let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that we can, have a football season at Simon Fraser University. And uh, other than that, just loving life and, uh, you know, just playing some golf. And, of course, in Vancouver, we've been able to play all year round, not what you golfers out there want to hear, but uh, <laughs> following along with your uh, stuff, Coach, and enjoying all your podcasts and so on. And, uh, again, just uh, doing a little bit of substitute uh, teaching working at a high school in uh, North Vancouver here and uh, getting around to some of the spring training camps that are happening right now. No pads or anything, no games, but uh, there are some games going on. Uh, We also have been running our football academy in British Columbia, and we started that back in January. So, Mm -hmm. again, folks that have followed my um, Instagram and Facebook social media see that we've uh, been having running a very, very successful academy there's seven different academies going on in British Columbia right now, and it's all we're all getting together next weekend for a big scrimmage against each other on uh, June the 19th. And from there, we're going to get into a little bit of Team BC and just interprovincial play. Unfortunately, we're supposed to be in Kamloops, of course, yeah. in July, and uh, hosting you folks in Saskatchewan and Alberta. And obviously, that's just not going to happen. So hopefully, we see you guys in December. I know there's some talk about maybe playing some games in December. So. That's kind of up to date, Coach, where we're at and uh, loving life, loving every minute. As you should. Keeping up with your social media and what what you're doing in your day is hard enough. I I think I saw three or four different posts today. Man, you're so busy. But uh, speaking of your quarterback session that you had today, I just want to talk about, you know, what's what's been going on in terms of those training sessions. What are you allowed to do? Uh, Like how many bodies are you allowed to be out there with? And uh, just kind of wondering if there's anything new that you're working on, any new drills, anything exciting? Right. Yeah. I mean, we're careful always, right? I mean, usually I was wearing a mask. If I'm not, uh, I'm keeping my sessions really, uh, really, really small groups. So lately it's just been one-on-one sessions. So today I had a a quarterback and a receiver and uh, uh, it was kind of unique because the quarterback was also a receiver. So we worked together and then we had another young fella catching balls today. So, 
you know, just obviously really being safe. I'm fortunate I've got my second shot, but uh, you still have to be careful, of course. And uh, so just kind of keeping our distance still and not doing any large group uh, things, uh, obviously doing some testing. I've got a, you know, thermometer, take the temperature of our, uh, of our clients. I, you know, make sure we're sanitizing, make sure we're keeping clean, but of course, keeping our distance. So all the precautionary things that, you know, everybody's basically doing and, uh, you know, always communicating with the parents and communicating with the, the students, athletes involved. And so uh, today, and what I have been doing is I usually talk to, you know, find out a little bit, do a little bit of research about my clients. So today, this young fella plays a lot of flag football, right? So uh, for those of you that know, I know flag football obviously is very popular around Canada. And uh, But when you play quarterback in flag football, especially the condensed fields the way they play out in British Columbia the smaller fields it's uh you know there's a lot of running there's a lot of running involved right so I always do a lot of uh throwing on the run drills a lot of movement drills right a, a lot of uh footwork and as you know coach I know you preach a lot is it all comes down to to footwork so no matter what a session or who I'm dealing with whether it's Michael O'Connor at UBC or my quarterbacks at Simon Fraser University you know, or an eight-year-old quarterback, I'm, you know, always going to start and stress the feet as the story I've always told about, you know, Craig Smith, who we all know very well. And, um, you know, Craig always tells us when he would go down the NFL camps, I would ask him, you know, Craig, what do you look for in a quarterback down in the States when he would go down to the camps and, and watch the quarterbacks? And he, right, right away, first, you know, word out of his mouth, right away is footwork, right? I always, I always watch the quarterback's feet. So, we're really, really stressing, uh, always stressing the fundamentals. And for me, I'm, you know, I'm not old school in that sense, but I'm, I guess I am old school in the sense of, you know, we're going to really focus on our fundamentals. So uh, a lot of times right now with the quarterbacks, especially the, the kids that are playing flag, uh, you know, we'll really focus a lot on, uh, on, our, on our throwing on the run. Quick release, not a, you know, not a lot of new stuff in the sense of, uh, um, you know, technique and so on, but more, uh, you know, a lot of uh, just continuing to stress the fundamentals and get the repetitions in and making sure that, um, you know, they get their feet set. And uh, especially in, you know, when they're shotgun, they don't have to get a lot more depth, right? They, right. they don't have to get, uh, you know, you know, three or four yards deep as they do from under center kind of thing, right? So uh, we're going to really focus on uh, minimizing being really efficient. We're using the word efficient a lot with quarterbacks and their feet and making sure that, uh, you know, they're not taking any false step, making right. sure they're balanced, making sure that they're uh, not taking any unnecessary steps. So that's why, you know, a big word that I use these days with, with players is to be efficient, making sure you're efficient in your drops, you're efficient in your, in your throat. So, I guess the bottom line right now is a lot of movement stuff, a lot of throwing on the run and actually more and more, um, you know, the guy that I always tell the, the student athletes that we work with that uh, more and more, there's one guy that's kind of messed up our coaching a little bit is that number 15 guy yeah. for mm. the Kansas city chiefs. I forget, I guess, yeah, that Mahomes guy, Mahomes, right. Yeah, that's He's the guy that has messed us our coaching up. Has me, has me coaching. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, He's changed things around a little bit, right? So, and I still remember, you know, I come back to uh, a Facebook message that I got two years ago from Dieter Brock. Okay. We call him Ralph or Dieter. What I know he's not yeah. over. Is he popular in Winnipeg these days, or is he still? Uh, 
hated man or is he uh, uh you know what I don't, I don't know that he was he was there well before like i was just a little kid at the time so i don't, I don't really know my dad has always spoke really highly of him so as far as i know yeah. we, we like him so well i spoke i you mean he was one of my heroes uh, yeah. when i was growing up of course that's why i chose the number five at simon fraser university was because uh right. dieter brock was number five right so and he had a huge uh, just, arm you know of course love what's that he had a huge arm right that was his deal oh yeah just, oh i mean you know the stories of standing on the 20 yard sitting on his knees on the 20 yard line throwing all the way down across through the goalpost to yeah. the other end it's That's you know true. some of the famous stories that um, certainly could happen i know receivers i mean jerome erdman is a good friend of mine and jerome was playing in winnipeg and uh said you know it you know he, he had heard stories about the fact that um ripped the gloves off receivers right. and so on right you know and so anyways uh, brock actually was interesting because he had we had followed each other on Facebook, which was yeah. kind of cool. And, you know, he said, Jay, you know, great job with your camps. One thing that you should make sure you do is have your quarterbacks throwing from yeah. different arm angles, arm right? Angles so, on slots, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I know you're doing some of that as yeah. well, Coach. And, you know, one just simple drill, I just stand in front of a quarterback and he's five yards away from me, he runs towards me, and the receiver's kind of right, we're all in line, right? And yeah. He runs towards me and he just – you know, it's it's a lot of when you're throwing. It's mostly when you're throwing to the right, obviously, as a right-hand quarterback. But he runs towards me, and he just you know is throwing sidearm a little bit, right? Yeah. And trying to get that accuracy of um, trying to get accurate with throwing the ball sidearm. So mm -hmm. um, you know, those are kind of some of the some of the new things that we're running. But uh, again, kind of sticking with a lot of the fundamentals. And when I get into my, hopefully, if we run some summer camps, you know, we're able to get into some. A little bit more advanced things and you know always thinking of the process of the fundamentals but also thinking of the holistic approach like why are we throwing this pass or mm -hmm. you know where do you have to put this pass or always always trying to get the the players to the student athletes to be thinking right why are we doing this drill and i always set that up i guess that's the teacher in me i always set up the you know we're you know i'll ask i'm not big on the questions for the for the students right like why why are we doing this drill? Why are we running this drill? Well, you know, a lot of them don't. They have to think about it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we're running this. We're running this because of this. Why are we throwing a fade route without air now? Why are we putting it into that little cover two or cover three cloud yeah. kind of pocket there, right? right. So, uh, just trying to get the players always to be thinking, always to be um, not just kind of robots, not just to be mechanical and uh, right. There's a purpose know, to There's a purpose yeah. to your drill, right? Yeah, exactly. The purpose and the objective and, you know, why why are we doing this, right? And, uh, you know, always make sure that you have that purpose, so you have an objective that um, you are, you're focusing on and, uh, you know, with, with the students. Absolutely. I really like how you talked about uh, working, you know, off a platform, right? There's the whole on platform, off platform. And I know there was a study done, I can't remember the exact stat. I think it was like 57% of the time, QBs are throwing off of platform, right? So, yeah. you know, that's less than, you know, half the time that you're able to take your drop, stand there and throw without having any kind of movement, right? So yeah. it that's is, from the NFL. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's, that's from the NFL. The NFL channel. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. I think it was even, that percentage was even a lot, which is astounding, right? I mean, yeah. the kids are like, are you serious, right? Yeah, yeah. that's, we got a movement. We got to get some more movement throws in, right? Exactly. So I really like that. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit, but, um, you know, kind of, on the topic today, I really want to talk about mindset and mentorship. And one of the first things that I always notice from you, coach, is just, you know, you have a really positive attitude. 
and especially on your social media. You really uh, every day seem to have uh, different positive posts. You're never posting anything negative or, or anything like that. It's always kind of positive, uh, always about uplifting people, and uh, I really like that. Is that a conscious effort that you you know put into that? Yeah, absolutely, and it's uh, yeah. I mean, there's so much negative in the world today, of yeah. course, and all the re you know the terrible things that are happening in the world happening in our own backyard mm -hmm. um that you know i think we need some positive positive things happening right i mean you see so many people on social media posting negative things i mean i yeah. just i think there's enough of that out there right so you know let's just try to brighten up the world and let's just try to you know be nice to each other and i don't know if COVID has actually helped or hindered with that but i think people um you know realize these days what what you've missed, right? I mean, look at the travel you've missed. Look at the opportunities. The big thing is, of course, your family, right? I mean, uh, there's people that haven't seen their parents for like over a year, right? right? There's people that haven't seen their kids for over a year, right? Like, look at all the the things that are happening in the world today that you know are just uh, negatives, right? So let's hey, let's just turn it around a little bit and let's look at the positive things because there's also so many positive positive things in the world that we should be focusing on and sometimes it's just a reminder because you know everybody has bad times everybody has mm -hmm. bad things happen to them right right and you know as you know it's it's how we adjust to that and how we um kind of bounce back from adversity and are able to adapt to uh the situation at hand right because you're always going to have things happen right and they're not always going to be positive and they're not always going to be you know fun things so you have to be able to you know sometimes i always talk about changing a negative into a positive right and turning things around so that um you know we can kind of build on the positives and look at the good things instead of looking at the the negatives out there so um is this kind of got into a habit and uh people seem to certainly we've got a little cult following us yeah. a little bit there and uh it's nice to be able to you know i i mean those quotes and things that i post on my social media are mm -hmm. certainly not original the odd one might be original mm -hmm. but you know i steal from anywhere if i'm looking through my facebook instagram whatever right. i'm uh i'm I'm seeing something that I like that's inspirational. I'll, you know, take a shot of it and, and post it myself. Right. So, um, so many of those, uh, sayings are obviously, you know, not original and they come some from famous people, some from famous athletes. I mean, that one I posted today about Larry Bird is just right. perfect. Right. I mean, yeah. so many of us, I know myself, I love when I first saw that quote from Larry Bird talking about, you know, he wasn't the fastest or he didn't jump the highest, but, you know, he was the kind of guy in life that just worked his worked his butt off, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, that's kind of what the situation was with me too, right? As an athlete, right? You just had to kind of work the other guy, and you know, that's kind of the Larry Bird theme, and um, that's uh, you know why I posted that particular post today, right? Going back to something you just said a, a couple minutes ago, talking about everybody going through hard times, and you got to face things head on in life, and not everything is going to be easy. But I think one thing that I've learned through since basically since COVID has hit, and I don't think I necessarily made an intentional effort to kind of make a change in my life, but just that sort of moment and everything being shut down kind of led to a lot of learning and, and looking into things. And I think that shift in your mental, your mental state, and sometimes just how you, uh, your perception of, of different things, even a situation that maybe 
isn't so good for you. If you take a different outlook on it, you know, you can use it to inspire you to, to either, you know, deal with it and move forward and all that kind of stuff. So I really like all of that. I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, just in terms of your gratitude, are, are you somebody that has a morning routine? A lot of people I've been researching, you know, peak performance people kind of have a, a morning routine that sets up their day. I'm interested if you do something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to read you this quote from, I've yeah. got a couple of my books here. And this is the nice thing about uh, being able to uh, be on um, this podcast with you, Coach, is yeah. I, I was able to kind of go back and look at some of my old books and all my old coaching books that I've read for the last 30, 40 years. And it's been a nice refresher to me to see some of my new books that I've got stacked up here that hopefully we can share with you a little bit. But this yeah. one here is um, the old faith Faith in the game, I know that's obviously not the real cover, but uh, Tom Osborne, of course, and such great books, you know, the Sabins books, the Tom Osborne books, all those great, but this, when you ask me about uh, my morning routine, yeah, I always read this little blurb from Tom Osborne's Faith in the Game uh, book, and he's like, uh, he said, Dear Lord, so far today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. Haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I am very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, when I get out of bed, and from then on, I'm probably not. I'm probably going to need a lot more help. <laughs> so <laughs> so awesome. I always thought that was a, a funny quote, right? That uh, Tom Osborne says that, uh, hey. I, you just wait for me to get out of bed and then I can maybe get grumpy and so on. But you know what? In the morning, I like to actually these days I've I've actually and I, maybe it's just because it's the spring and it's a little nicer out. It's not raining as much out and uh, it's light a little bit earlier. I, I like to kind of try to lie in bed for a couple of extra minutes and just close my eyes and just relax a little bit. Right. And I started kind of doing that technique uh, many years ago. And it's interesting to see how that works with with athletes too, right? I tried it with one of my last football teams that I coached at Hansworth. And before we played a scrimmage game, I just had the players actually lie on the grass in a, in a quiet, quiet area. And we just talked softly and we talked about all the great things that are happening, making big plays, making big blocks, uh, making, uh, you know, big tackles and we would just kind of relax and just kind of just kind of breathe right i think breathing i know we talk about it with our players and so on but i think it's kind of a lost art a little bit and i don't know i'm, I'm of course a big golfer and a big golf fan right so right. watching phil mickelson you know a couple of weeks ago and uh seeing him perform the way he was performing on golf's center stage and to be able to win at his age against all those young young studs and so on and i don't know if people really noticed him but before every shot he had the same pre-shot routine right he kind of stood, stood back behind the ball looked down the fairway but the important thing that he did was he always always took a really deep breath he just right and he just was so, it just relaxes you so much, right? And I do that too when I go to bed at night. Sometimes if I'm if I'm having trouble falling asleep, I'll do the old, you know, kind of breathe in, hold it for three or four seconds, breathe out, 
and usually you fall asleep in about two two seconds, yeah. right? So for me, it's it's a breathing thing, right? And it's just relaxation. Um, and I can kind of turn it on and off. People say, oh, you know, you shouldn't have your phone at night. You should, you know, too much screen time, too much yeah. this, too much that. And, you know, for me, I it's not quite the case. I mean, I, I find my phone is helpful because I'm, I'm on Twitter, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, I'm on not just on Instagram, not just on Facebook, right. but I'm on all sorts of different uh, social media platforms, learning about what's going on out there. I mean, all the, obviously, all the recent stuff is is happening out there. When I, you know, I'm a Habs fan. Sorry about that, everybody out there. I don't know when it's going to come out, but uh, you're going to, you know, I'm a Habs fan, and sorry that we had to take care of business like that. But I couldn't even look at this. You know, I couldn't even. Sometimes I wouldn't even look, watch the game because I get too wound up, but I couldn't look at my phone, of course, because there's always reports of the scores right. and so on, right? So <laughs> anyways, for me, I, I mean, I don't, I always, you know, the first thing I do when I wake up, I'm I'm just relaxed, have a coffee. I'm not a big breakfast guy. Mm-hmm. Right now I am teaching some schools. I'm teaching at a high school, so I, I got to get, uh, I got to get to school in the morning kind of thing, right? But um, I have my morning routine where I'll just, I'll check my phone, make sure everything's okay, make sure my family's, you know, okay, make sure everything's uh, set and just kind of relax, take my time, breathe a little bit and get off to school. So nothing real. um, It's almost a mini meditation kind of situation, but it certainly is a let's, you know, I'm thinking of the mindset is, you know, what's what are the good things? I'm trying to think of the positives Mm -hmm. that are happening today and, uh, and let's let's get ready to attack this day because, you know, as a school teacher, there's you know so many challenges, and there many of them are unexpected, right? You don't know which kid, which students are going to be in class, or right. who's going to be sick, or who's going to, you know, be, uh, you know, having a tough day or whatever. So uh, you have to be. I think that's taught us to be um, kind of resilient a little bit, and uh, as I said before, to kind of adapt a little bit and kind of keep an open mind because. You know, you're always going to have um, things are always going to pop up. Things are, so you always have to be ready for the unexpected, and uh, that happens a little bit too with your work, and I'm sure coach as yeah. well. And you have to be try to think of you know maintaining that that positive attitude towards the negatives that are going to happen because there's there's going to be there's going to be negatives in your life. There's going to be negatives in in every day of your life, unfortunately. But you know, that's the way it is. So my mornings, I usually try to keep calm and uh, just get a little bit of quiet time for a little bit of J quiet time because it's probably the only time during the day that I'm ever going to have that time. Again, I I love the insight kind of into just relaxing and breathing. Uh, So I as well have kind of taken on a little bit of a morning routine and uh, what basically all it is, is uh, I, I like to make a list. So when I get up in the morning, when I start my work day, I make a list. It's a gratitude list, the top of the page is, you know, five things that I'm grateful for from the day before. And, and then I write why I'm grateful for it. And then on the bottom of the list is, you know, just a, basically a list of to do things for the day. But there's some things that are non negotiables that are sort of like, you know, somewhat self help stuff or, or self love stuff, you know, making sure that every day I get outside for a 60 minute walk, making sure that I do meditate for 15 or 20 minutes a day, and, and, and so on and so forth. And then I also obviously have the to do list of, you know, what things that need to be done in that day. But, uh, you know, every time that I accomplish one of those things, I, I have this pen here, coach, that has the, you know, it has the different, uh, the colors on it. So I snap it on the red and I check off everything that I do. 
And, you know, oh, by the end of the day, I've got a list of 12 or 15 things that, you know, that I've checked off. And, you know, on a, on a little bit of a small scale, it's it, those are mental wins every time that I do that, right? And you build on those things and, uh, you know, it creates good feelings for the day. So I think creating a morning routine for yourself in whatever way it looks to, to help yourself through the day, to be positive, to, to think positive is great. Coach, I think that's great that you're doing that. And again, people that have seen my, you know, usually on Mondays, I'll try to post something in one um, media site that you folks should really uh, get into is the uh, the Daily Coach. Yes. And uh, just fantastic. He is you, fantastic. You've seen that coach, right? And, yeah. You know, like on Monday, the last Monday I posted this week, I will practice gratitude, spend time with myself, speak to myself with respect, mm-hmm. choose courage over comfort acknowledge how far I've come. I mean, just, you know, little things like that, that are just the reminders that I try to always look for, but I'm, you know, I try to, um, just looking for my other Monday ones, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to, uh, follow those messages, right? I mean, again, they're not necessarily messages that I've created or whatever. And this week I will get better. I'll study my craft, prioritize my self care, uh, take one step at a time, find joy in the process. And, you know, a lot of those are, are self-care stuff, coach 60 minutes of, you know, to find 60 minutes in your busy schedule, family and work and everything else. I mean, you, you have to, you know, you have to make that a priority, right? And yeah. I'm the same way, right? I try to, I try to have the motto of, you know, do something every day, right? Work out every day if you can. And I know that's difficult for people with young families and so on and work right. is, it gets you, but it's priorities too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. You know what? There's people out there that if you want your life to be run by your work, I remember when I was the head coach at UBC. It was, you know, it was, it was, a, you know, anybody that's you know been a head coach and a university head coach, you know that uh, hey, if I'm not calling this recruit, I know Brian Doby is right. Yeah. I know <laughs> Brian Doby's just you know on the getting ready to talk to this guy as well. Or at that time, Brian Towers was. Right. was calling or Frank McChrystal or all those guys were recruiting the same kids. Right. So when I was the head coach at UBC, it was, uh, you know, it, it was a grind, right? It, you really had to, you really had to work, work, work at it. And, uh, I admire, you know, those coaches, Blake Nell, you know, is just 24 seven, go, go, go. That's why he's so successful. And that's why he's run so many, uh, great football programs. And, you know, is such a great recruiter because he's just, invested 24 seven in the process and making the UBC Thunderbirds better. And I know that, you know, you know, the coaches that I know we where we don't have a lot of staff members. We don't have 11, 12 members on your staff, right. right. That uh, are there like they do in the NCAA. So uh, it certainly is a challenge, but it's, it's about prioritizing. And for me, family, you know, family first, taking care of myself, working out mm-hmm. and uh, work with, would be, you know, after that kind of thing. Right. So I think in the morning, I try to do that a little bit as well. Coach, try to prioritize, you know, what's up with mom today. Right. That would be my first thought. 92 year old mom, you know, what's up with mom today? What does mom need? Right. You know, I I hope she's okay. She calls me every morning at 10 o'clock. It's funny when I'm in class, she's the only one on my, well, I've got my family on that are not on vibrate right on my phone. My phone's on, on, sorry, silent, but mom, and my daughters are on ring, right? And so 
if mom mom calls every morning at 10 o'clock so usually if i'm teaching the class knows oh your mom's going your mom's calling mom's calling <laughs> put her on speaker mom say hi to the class hi everybody so mom how are you how's your sleep everything good yeah love you okay i'm just teaching i'll call you in a bit and uh we'll talk in another hour or so just to make sure that she's okay so that 10 o'clock call is always the important call of the day so that's part of my more it used to be nine o'clock and then i gave her an extra hour to sleep in so um she's uh she's the regular call at uh, 10 o'clock every day Back at it for the second quarter with Coach Gies and Coach Jay Prepchuk. So, Coach, uh, I think all of us QB trainers, the guys that run quarterback camps, I think for the most part, all of us do a really good job of teaching mechanics. Obviously, some of us have different thoughts on, on different things, but uh, overall, I think we all do a really good job of working on the developmental parts of the, of the physical, right? Uh, I think a lot of us also spend time on the whiteboard or, you know, on the computers, working with guys on the X's and O's and the schemes and teaching them the basics of football. Um, but the one thing that I think is left out, or at least I can say that has been left out in my camps, is kind of the mental aspect, especially for a quarterback, is how to think, what to think about, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I know on our first episode, we kind of at the tail end, we were talking about Russell Wilson and that he has his own mindset coach. Um, you know, would you agree that mindset is the separator at the highest level? Oh, I definitely think so. I think that mindset is is important at, at all levels, right? It doesn't matter. You know, I've coached, we've all coached young, young kids, right, at different levels, right? And I think that's important really at all levels, especially at the quarterback position, right? I mean, I think that, you know, if you have a quarterback that is, is not poised, is not uh, – adaptable is you know going to be a poor sport is going to not be coachable then i don't know if you necessarily have the right guy at that position right i mean so i think it's important at, at all positions and obviously especially at the higher levels i mean working getting a chance to work with michael o'connor was you know very very special because michael was very you know he was a calm he was calm um and i've had a lot of a lot of my high school quarterbacks were we're like that as well. And a lot of, sometimes the parents or, or other people will say, the other coaches will say, Hey, you know, this, this, your quarterback, or our quarterback, he's not very excited. He doesn't get very emotional or he doesn't. And I'm just, Hey, you know what? Trust me. I know this kid. I know this guy's invested. I know that this person wants to do well. I know that he is, uh, you know, really wants to, wants to win. He wants to lead this team to, to victory. So I think mindset is so important. And I think as coaches, like I was fortunate enough to, you know, be a high school counselor. So as, as our players would come in, as our student athletes would come in, even in grade eight, and we would have a little grade eight tryout, we'd always, you know, rotate to different stations, right? So we might have 40 kids that want to come out and sure. play football for us. So, you know, we'll get in little stations, right? We'll, you know, you know, blocking station or footwork station, throwing station, we'll figure out, hey, you know, these are two or three or four of the top kids that, you know, are, are wanting to play quarterback or are, you know, have some de decent throwing mechanics right from the get-go, right? And then I'll go in and look in the files and actually take a look at his, their report cards, right? And I'll find out, you know, hey, you know, this, this, this particular student, um, there's a lot of absences, right? Is is away from school a lot, or 
you know, has a tough time focusing or, um, you know, is doesn't play well with the other kids kind of thing, right? <laughs> is not a leader. He's, yeah. you know, that kind of thing, right? And have a chance maybe even to talk to some of the elementary school teachers about some of these, some of these students, right? So I kind of had a little bit of a head start on that and tried to pick. So it's, I think it's important that we can pick the right quarterback <laughs> as well, right? I mean, are you able to change? It's always the million dollar question, right? Are you able to change attitudes? Can you change? Yeah, we can change. We can get, you know, kids can get stronger. Kids can get faster. Kids can change their mechanics around somewhat to become better passers. But yeah. can you change that mindset? That's the important thing, right? Mm -hmm. And you know what? That that's a that's a difficult question, right? And yeah. I think it's a I think it's a difficult task to do that, right? If you have a negative player, you have a negative student athlete. Um, you know, are you able to? To, to change him a little bit uh, enough to be the leader and to be the one that he is counted on to lead this football team. So I think choosing the right quarterback is, is, you know, paramount. And that sounds fairly obvious, but you know, it's not always the kid that can throw the ball 60 yards down the field. It's not always the kid that is necessarily the, the tall, tallest or the one that's going to, uh, you know, uh, look like he's going to, I think this guy can be a quarterback because he can throw the ball, yeah. you know, so far and so accurately. Does he have all the other intangibles that you need? And coming back to mindset, is he going to be coachable? Is he going to be one of the, is he going to be one that, you know, is going to work hard for you and work hard for the team? Does he, you know what, the leadership part of it, if he's not a raw, raw guy, I can kind of take that characteristic and we can work a little bit with that, right? We don't have to have necessarily a raw, raw guy. We can have more of a cerebral guy that kind of sits back a little bit. I mean, I was like that when I played. I didn't want to get too emotionally involved. I didn't want to get too involved with, um, you know, what was happening. I sat off to the side when, when we were defensively, when our defense was on the ball. I didn't want to, you know, interact with, with too many people besides, say, my receiver's uh, coaches and so on right so I think as far as the mindset is concerned it's just a, another uh, feature another factor that is more and more is growing into such a big big um, feature and a big big thing that uh, you know we hope to develop in all our players but especially at the quarterback position yeah, exactly. You know, um, you've made mention to Michael O'Connor and so have I in this episode. He was, uh, again, because of your connection, I was able to interview him uh, on one of my other episodes, episode seven. And he paid a, a pretty big compliment to you just talking about the relationship with you. And he just, you know, he basically said that you were just so positive every day. You always had a smile on your face. Your body language was, was really welcoming. And every day he felt, you know, comfortable around you whether things were going up or down, you know, that kind of thing. So I really think that that is important when we're coaching and, and to be aware of our own body language and kind of how we come across to the players. Again, Coach, is that something that you kind of make a conscious effort to do? Oh, absolutely. And that's not easy, is it? And yeah. We all know that. And Hey, it's easy for me to sit back here and, you know, be relaxed with you, Coach, and just kind of, Oh yeah, let's not yell at our kids. Oh yeah, let's not get mad at our kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's not, you know, I mean, <laughs> gosh, we've all, hey, you know, we've yeah. all lost it in a, in a game, right? And we've all lost, you know, we've all, we all get mad at practice and so on, right? But mm -hmm. then sometimes you just have to, 
you have to be disciplined yourself, obviously, because yeah, as a coach, you know, if you're not disciplined, then your team's not going to be disciplined. And we all have played against many, many teams that, you know, maybe they're chippy, they're a little bit dirty yep. and they're like that. Why are they like that? Cause they're allowed to be like that. Right. So, you know, that, that kind of thing happens. Right. So, you know, as far as, you know, dealing with the, your, your players dealing with your quarterbacks, yeah, that takes a lot of discipline on your part. And that's, mm-hmm part of you know being a good coach um you know it's part of uh the process of you know having patience and uh, yeah we've all lost our patience we've all uh, gotten mad at our kids we've all maybe cussed a little bit we've yeah. all um you know lost it a little a little bit right and you know what to a certain degree one of the reasons that you've done that is because you care about you right. care about what you're doing right you've invested and look at all the time and effort we have all put in over the years, the tons and tons of hours that we put in volunteering, donating our time, which right. of course we do it because we love it, right? But I still that we're human too, right? Mm-hmm. And you know we're going to make mistakes too, and we're going to uh, we're going to lose our cool as well, right? But I think that is reflective, and I think that's the same as a parent too, right? If you're yeah. like that as a parent, it's it's very similar, right? You, it's a fine line between being a buddy and being a parent between a, being a buddy and being a coach you want your players to you know your players are not always going to love you but you know you hope that they respect you your kids you hope that they respect you they're not always well you hope they love you know they hope you, they love you right but they're you know you want to make you know have that respect so at the end of the day when you finish coaching players and teams or teaching a class you know that that the kids at least respect what you're doing or what you're trying to do and uh you know it all all the coaching philosophies are what treating kids fairly treating uh treating them with respect i mean i'm teaching a careers 10 class right now and it's fun for me because i get to come kind of get back to all of those characteristics and all of those fundamentals about uh you know being a good person and uh being treating people with respect and it doesn't matter Again, if it's, you know, I've some, you, you see me post on Instagram before, right? Sometimes, you know, the custodian, the janitor in the school is the most important person. Uh, make sure, you know, you're thanking that custodian that, that, you know, they're doing such a great job of cleaning the schools and making sure that you're in a good, safe environment, especially in, in this day and age, right, with COVID right. and so on, right? So, mm-hmm. you know what, it's treating people with respect. It's, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, somewhat consistent. I know that's not always easy to do, but it's also about learning about your kids and, you know, who's Pat Riley, uh, Phil Jackson. They were always such great coaches in basketball, of course. I mean, Phil Jackson, I remember him at the beginning of the seasons when they would go on road trips. He would, every one of his players, he would have a book for them, a new book, because he knew something about their personality, knew something about them Mm -hmm. and knew what they you know, tried to find out what made them click. But he had a book for every one of them that kind of related to their joys and what they were, um, you know, into and so on. And he would give that book to every one of his players before the season. I thought that was kind of a really interesting uh, kind of exercise to do, right? So uh, all those things are, um, you know, just so crucial, whether you're teaching or whether for you coach anybody that, you know, you're dealing with people on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. uh, to show that respect. And that's something that, you know, hopefully we can uh, generate and uh, pass over to our, our players and our students. So, you know, talking about respect coach, 
do you feel like that's maybe the formula for being able to talk to your quarterbacks and hold them accountable, be able to critique them in moments when maybe they, you know, they messed up, they didn't do things properly, whatever the case is. And, and you do have to, you know, let them know and, and hold them accountable. But how do you do that without losing the guy? How do you, how do you do that without right. defeating the player? Well, and, and that's an, you know, that's an excellent point. And I think it depends on, you know, where, you know, that relationship is so important and that's an important relation to, you know, a professional kind of, not a buddy, buddy relationship, but a professional relationship that you have with that quarterback. Cause you're going to, you know, he's an extension of you on the field. He's going to be the guy that is, if he doesn't believe in what you're doing, then your team's not going to believe in, in right. what you're doing. Right. So that relationship is a, is such an intense, uh, such a, a relationship where, you know, you're together, you know, Monday, you're meeting game plan. You're probably meeting with your quarterbacks, depends on what level you're at, but I would always meet with our quarterbacks usually at lunch and try to get set with our game plan and then present that to the quarterback so that they were kind of on top of things. Uh, Monday after school, we'd have our team meeting and, you know, present uh, the game plan for the week and then, you know, meet with the quarterbacks all the way through, uh, all the way through the week. Uh, I thought it was important. I remember with Sean Olson when I was the head coach at UBC, we would meet every Thursday at lunchtime and uh, with the quarterbacks and we'd go through our ready list and we would say, hey, you know, what are, we worked on, this was in the game plan on Monday. We've worked on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What did, what are your thoughts? What, what about 535, past 535? What do you think? How did it go? Like we look at the stats and our Skelly and our, uh, and see, you know, and he would, Sean would, hey coach, you know what? The guys, I didn't like this play for this reason, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would scratch it off our list, right? Hey, we're not, if Sean didn't agree with running this play, if he wasn't comfortable running this play, then we took that play out of our out of our playbook for that particular week. Uh, you know, Sean, what what did you like? What did you like? What did you like running on uh, middle of the field stuff? What did you like running inside our own twenty yard line stuff? So we would have our game plan. We'd have our so we knew we would be hopefully so in sync. And I know it's tougher at the younger levels, but you know you still and it's tougher for an outside coach. But hopefully, I mean these days you would with our zoom with zoom and teams meetings and yeah. so on and um you know messaging you can be on the same page right so come you know that game for say high school friday night you're playing a high school football game mm -hmm. well you've hopefully communicated with your team with your role fence with your quarterback exactly what you want to see happen is it going to play out that way all the time no. gosh it's not going to play out like that all the time right but you should know so we would we would know okay we're we're gonna we're a two-point convert situation you should know exactly that we're going to run from the left hash mm -hmm. and we're running past 842 and that's that's that right yep. and we we we've all agreed we've worked as a team and we've worked as a team with our coaches and quarterbacks and come together on our last say um thursday meeting and said hey we're throwing out this play this play this play we love this play what play do you love is a two-point convert so it's no surprises it's, it's not a shock it's not um something that we just kind of pull out kind of thing right? right but as far as dealing with the quarterback i think it's you know again a lot of coaches will say oh you you know you kind of babied your quarterback or you didn't you're treating him a little bit differently and 
yeah, that certainly can be the case at certain times. But I go back to, you know, the different coaching philosophies. And I one book that I love of my many books, and I know a lot of you guys have got this, and I know Angus uh, Reed, yeah. of course, I was able to know the Reed family for years, and his whole book, it's all based on uh, the coaching, Dan Durazio coaching, right? And Dan, who I had a chance to work with a bit at um, – and Simon Fraser already looking forward to hopefully working with him in the fall and just the different um, ways of coaching and how and dealing with players. And, you know, one of the things that I did learn from years ago, right, even say watching film or evaluating, you're watching film and it's, you know, hey, number 12, you know, number 12, you didn't take your proper drop on that play mm-hmm. or Aaron, great job on throwing that pass, right? So yeah. you're using a name. Mm-hmm. You're using the kid's name when he does something well, but you're using his number or you're saying, right guard, you know, you didn't yeah. properly pull this way because your foot was at a wrong angle, right? right. So right guard, we got to do a better job next yes. time. Or, hey, Johnson, at right guard, you did a great job of, yeah. of picking up that blitz, right? right. So, oh, you know, it's... little things like that that work as coaches. So the kids are like, oh, they, you know, they're not humiliated. And gosh, we all know that, in this day and age, and it was coached when we were younger, I know, especially for myself, mm-hmm. you know, the way that I was coached was, you know, my head coach in high school was is one of my very best friends. And to this day, you know, I love, I love the guy. I love Coach Pierce. But, hey, if I did something wrong, man, it was yeah, you, you were yelled it. at. You were, like, it was, you know, you're, you're in trouble. You would know it. This day and age, sometimes you yell at a kid, and, yeah, you're going to go cry, and he's go um walk off the field or whatever i mean it it happens kind of thing right so um you know treating comes back to that word respect right um and you can you know sometimes you tell the kids hey i'm not we're not here to you know embarrass you you, but certainly kids in this day and age right Mm -hmm. coaches you guys all know that out there right it's easy kids get embarrassed Right. And that's a huge factor. Probably one of the biggest changes in coaching over the last 10 years, 15 years that I see is, is that kids, you know what, they're not as thick skinned as us, right? They, you know, they don't want to be embarrassed in front of their peers. Right. Um, We got used to it when we were younger, right? Mm -hmm. We kind of could, you know, made us tougher, maybe. I don't know. Right. But in this day and age, um, yeah, it just doesn't. Kids don't, you know, they don't like it, and you know, you know that coach yourself, right? So, I think as a coach, you know, remembering the respect factor, and uh, you know, you always, you can't always just say to the kids, you know, you know, you got to respect me, right? You, you, you got to earn that respect, and yeah. I don't care if it's an eight-year-old or a twenty-year-old or a sixteen-year-old. You've got to earn that respect, and you earn that respect by treating them with respect right so if you want to be treated with respect you should be respecting others and that doesn't just stand for coaching football or whatever it's it's anything right treat people with respect and you know you should be um you know get respect back in return right so you got to put it out there yourself so as far as dealing with a quarterback yeah you're going to be frustrated yeah you're going to be and you know, when are you in your private meetings, sometimes with the quarterbacks, you can kind of get on them a little bit about um, the mistakes they've made and so on. But so many times I find that athletes, especially at the elite level or university level, higher level, and especially quarterbacks, it's they come off the field after they make a mistake. And it's like, 
oh, you just threw that interception. Well, yeah, kind of no shit. If I can <laughs> yeah, thanks, coach. Yeah, yeah, I obviously just threw it that interception. Or you know what? It's that nowadays players are they're not. It's not. You know what? I, I know I did that. I know yeah. I fumbled the ball. I know I missed that block. I right. know I didn't block that guy properly. I know I didn't throw that. I underthrew that pass. It's not what they did. It's why did they do that? Okay, you underthrew that pass because you didn't transfer your weight. Yeah. You underthrew that pass because your arm angle, your shoulder angle was incorrect. So, you know, tell them, right? And they'll usually respect that. I know that one thing that I've learned too when quarterbacks or when any players come off the field, right? Player comes, you know, personal foul. For me, automatically you were off the field, right? You came off the field. So, Coach, I've been doing a little bit of research on, uh, you know, different uh, sports psychologists, uh, brain trainers, that kind of stuff. And one of the guys that I came upon is uh, Trevor Moad. He uh, he's written a book. I believe it's called "It Takes What It Takes," and he's worked extensively with Russell Wilson of late. Uh, in his book and on some uh, podcasts that I watch with him, he talks a lot about neutral thinking, and uh, he showed some some clips of Russell Wilson. So you know, an example of a neutral statement would be you know the scenario was they were, the Seahawks were down by a couple scores in the game. There's you know six or seven minutes left on the clock. And Russell Wilson on the sideline says to the guys, okay, guys, six minutes left in the game. I'm going to give it my all. Let's go fight. And that's so that's kind of an example of a neutral statement rather than necessarily a positive statement. And I guess the reason why he was talking about that is that there's sometimes in situations, you know, you could be going through something horrific in your life or, or something that happens, and it's hard to think of the positive. But to turn the negative into maybe a neutral statement is, is an easier transition for guys. Uh, just to you know, make that mental shift. What do you what do you think about that, Coach? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely, and you can see that you know Russell Wilson has fought through so many obstacles in his life, right? I mean, I know that's a great book that I'm you know I'm in the middle of reading right now, mm. and you know the fact of all the obstacles that he's gone through, all the things that he's you know gone through. Five ten quarterback, you know, is this guy going to make it in the NFL? It's going to be tough for him to make it. Uh, Pete Carroll obviously had confidence in him. Uh, drafted him and uh, obviously he's had you know fantastic career right so you know you can see Russell Wilson on the sidelines you can see him talking to his players like so many other quarterbacks right but you know with Russell Wilson just to just to have that level of um, kind of security confidence uh, and just to be able to um, you know kind of be present in the moment and not get too high and not get too low. And I think that that takes, you know, Russell Wilson talks a lot about, you know, training the mind, right? You, you know, we train our bodies to run faster and get stronger and so on, as I said before. Right. And, you know, the, the really cool thing that Russell Wilson's doing is, of course, he has a, a mind coach, right? And, you know, they talk almost every day, right? And they talk at great length. And usually, um, uh, you know, Trevor comes into, uh, wherever they're playing, he'll come in on that Thursday or Friday and they'll have, you know, a, night, a good meeting about the week and so on. And so I just think it's a really fantastic uh, form of, you know, leading to success for somebody that, uh, you know, that is long overdue. And, you know, why not, um, you know, have a mental coach, right? And right. so many players did that earlier. Like there was a lot of, go a lot of golfers. Uh, there's a, a golf coach named Bob Rotella. He's, 
got a lot of great golf books, not just for golfers, but it's just got a lot of great sayings and a lot of great um, uh, kind of self-talk things. And uh, a lot of tennis players would have a mind coach, right? Um, so those individual sports, you know, really uh, have been doing this for years and years. And, you know, I started reading books maybe 15, 20 years ago about, about you know, mind coaches and how successful tennis players have become because of... Uh, at this and golfers and so on. Right. So I think it's fantastic that, you know, Russell Wilson is, you know, tapped into this and, uh, obviously with his success, uh, you know, it shows that, um, you know, he's going to persevere, right. He's going to persevere and he's going to continue to work hard and just be that neutral thinking thinker where he's not, again, not too high, not too low. And, you know, uh, get ready, get ready for the next play kind of thing. Right. And, uh, that's why, that's why he has been so successful. Right. You know, one of the things that in doing this research as well that, you know, should be obvious, but I think was a little bit eye-opening for me was that if you think about when players kind of are a little bit emotionally out of control at times or something happens, and right, you're kind of in that fight or flight mode. And if you maintain that neutral thinking, right, you don't enter that kind of zone when you're playing the game, right? So it's hard to it's hard to bring yourself back down when you're at an emotional state where you're kind of all frazzled right so it's i i, I like that I, I just didn't really think about that connection of how that would affect your body um just naturally but uh but i thought that was cool the other thing too that was really uh interesting was the power of negative thought and negative statements so um i may, I may butcher these stats but again trevor moad uh, references that negative thought is four to seven more times more powerful and saying it out loud is a multiplier of 10. So making it 40 to 70 times more powerful. So his message was basically don't say stupid things out loud, right? About yourself, about people, um, you know, keep that out of, uh, out of things that you do out of your vocabulary, that kind of thing. What, what do you think about that coach? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, you got to think of who the dynamics of, your football team, the dynamics of your offense, right? And, you know, offensive linemen, I mean, they're, that's, that's a tough job, right? These guys are in there pounding away, pounding away. And sometimes they just need that, uh, you know, that reassurance that they're doing a good job and that reassurance that, you know, we've got a chance to come back and, and make this happen. Right. And I think that again, just by being vocal about it is just simple messages. They don't have to be, you know, long expanded kind of, speeches like the old days even and it's not just for players too i think as we talked about a little bit before about coaches as well and the, the fact that you know coaches have to be kind of you know at this neutral stage as well right i mean yeah. you see coaches after touchdowns being scored just going crazy and running up and down the sidelines and it's like well hey you know you're running up and down the sidelines and all of a sudden it's like the head coach is hey we're going for two and you got to think that, you know, what's your next play kind yeah. of thing, right? So you've always got to be thinking in advance. You've always got to be, uh, you know, thinking about what's, you know, what's the next play. And, uh, you know, are we going, you know, we get a, a big gain and we're down to the one yard line. What's our personnel? What are yeah. we subbing? What are we oh, doing? What's, you know, what's the other team doing and so on, right? So you have to, I think if you get mixed up with the emotion of the game, then, you know, you can really kind of lose focus. And I think that a lot of, People, again, as I said before, you know, coaches or people get mixed up with, you know, with somebody, not necessarily a player, maybe a quarterback, not showing a lot of emotion. But, right. you know, they're still competitive and they're still 
thinking. And I would rather have, you know, an even keeled quarterback that doesn't get too emotional, doesn't get too, uh, you know, worked into the moment and is able to kind of think and relax. And because you get excitable like that. And we see Brady do that all the time. Right. And obviously he's had tremendous success, but I think he has some sort of way to, you know, regain his composure, regain his, um, you know, mental side of things because, uh, you know, he's, he's needed, you know, 30 seconds later, he's got to right. get back and make a play kind of thing. Right. So definitely as uh, but I think you also have to have that respect, right. That the offensive line will see that Russell Wilson is, you know, is, is obviously there and saying something for the betterment of the team. And mm-hmm. that's why football, again, is the ultimate team game is, and you never know what's going to kind of trigger a, an offensive lineman or a receiver, right. Is, and I think Russell Wilson is just the type of player that, um, you know, he's so competitive. He wants to succeed more than anybody else on, on the football field. And, um, you know, his messages are simple. His messages are direct and they're very impactful. And I think that, you know, the big factor with him too, is that, you know, the players love and respect him. Right. And that's not just that two minutes on the, that, you know, that 10 second speech on the sidelines. That's, right. Well, those are things that are you can't just be the Sunday or the Friday night mm-hmm. kind of message giver, right? I'm right. sure that you know throughout the week he's motivating and and you've got to be consistent with that message. And you know every day you've got to be try to be positive and every day you've got to be somewhat motivating because again, not all the players, especially at our level, a high school level or a community level, mm-hmm. you know there's a lot there's a lot of players that are not necessarily motivated to excel out there so i think it's even more important at our level or a younger players level because you know gosh those those kids aren't getting paid where in the nfl right. if that left guard is continuing to mess up you know he's going to get cut and he's mm-hmm. you know he's not going to um be getting that big paycheck kind of thing right so obviously right. as a professional there's that tremendous motivator of you know, money making the team, but they also want to win. But for us, it's even more challenging as coaches and, and players that because a lot of us, you know, you always think you're getting, getting, tr- not in trouble, but you know, hey, sometimes I say to my team, it feels like the coaches want to win more than you guys want to win, right. right? Yeah. And that's where, you know, you have to think of different ways to motivate and uh, you have so many different, you might have 25, 30 kids on your team. Mm-hmm. How do you motivate? each and every one of them, right? Same right. as being in a classroom, right? How do you motivate each and every student? And that's, uh, you know, that's always a tremendous challenge. Back at it for the third quarter with Coach Jay Prepchuk from Simon Fraser University. So, Coach, in the past, uh, you know, both in coaching and in life, we, we all go through negative moments and there's been a few situations where the environment I was in, I felt like I needed to remove myself from it. I just wasn't getting what I wanted out of it anymore. It became kind of toxic. Um, I'm just wondering in your life, in, in your coaching experience, um, have you ever dealt with any kind of like issues on your own coaching staff, maybe with other coaches, just hard moments, hard situations that you had to deal with and, and, and kind of how do you deal with those situations? Right. You know, that's an excellent question. And yeah. And as you said, it's not just not just coaching football or coaching anything. It's in, it's generally in life. Right. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, my 
main thing now definitely is to, you know, continue to surround myself with positive people, right? And you hear that all the time about, and I try to talk to young people all the time. As I said before, you know, teaching a, a careers 10 class is kind of interesting right now because, you know, we can talk a lot about influencers in our life and people that, um, you know, can kind of bring you down and so on, right? And you see so many quotes out there, of course, that, you know, talk about the fact that, you know, there's lots of negative people around that are, are going to bring you down, right? So, yeah, there's been definitely lots of, in my life, there's definitely been, um, you know, lots of negatives and I've had to make tough decisions and I've had to let coaches go that I felt, you know, weren't on the same page and they were good coaches and friends of mine too that, you know, we've had to, you know, kind of part ways just because, um, you know, we felt we weren't on the same page and on the same wavelength. And that's the thing about football again, right? It's it's so much like life, but it's also very, very challenging, right? And I don't know, you know, there's some basketball coaches out there and I just feel that, you know, basketball is such a different sport. You've got maybe 13, 14 kids on your team, maybe one other coach on your team. And you certainly don't have the, the team dynamic in the sense of football where you've got you know at the college level university level you've got over 100 players on your football team uh some of them are on scholarship some of them are not you've got so many from different walks of life you've got 18 19 year olds that are away from home for the first time you've got uh you know kids that come from split families you got kids that come from families with well with no parents really or no active parents right and you've got a coaching staff of you know 10 15 people you've got your trainers you've got your support staff so with football it certainly is you know such a unique unique sport in the sense that you know you really have to have everybody on the same page i mean and that's always such a challenge with football right i mean I always find that, uh, you know, one of the most important people on the football team is the equipment guy or the head trainer, right? right. I mean, they, they know the ins and they know the outs, right? And they'll be talking to players, obviously, all the time. So, you know, they have to kind of watch to what they're kind of the middle people, right? Where a lot of players, you know, you're getting your ankle taped and a player's talking about this or a player's talking about that, right? And, yeah. you know, you, that those trainers have to you know, make a decision here. Hey, you know, should I be telling coach about, you know, this kid's having problems with this or uh, with that? And, uh, you know, should we, you know, intervene kind of thing, right? So definitely with football, my goodness, what a tremendous challenge, right, that is out there for us to really formulate the team. And you're going to have different opinions. You're going to have people with, you know, different thoughts and different ways, <clears throat> excuse me, of coaching. I mean, right now, our football academy that we've been running since January, you know, we've got coaches from all over British Columbia. We've got coaches from all over the lower mainland. And, you know, some of them want to run this offense. Some of them want to run that offense. And to kind of put it all together is is a real challenge, right? And so that is, the you know, one of the joys of, of football is, you know, being able to win or win a championship because you really have to have, you know, that trust. You have to have everybody you know, not necessarily on the same page, but aiming to be on the same page. Everybody trying to, uh, you know, work together as a common goal. Yeah, everybody wants to win. That's easy. It's easy yeah. to say, hey, yeah, let's go win, right? But is everybody willing to put in the time? Is everybody willing to maybe sacrifice a little bit, put your ego on the shelf 
for a, a little bit. I mean, that's where, you know, in the last couple of years, it's been a real pleasure for me as, you know, I've been a head coach all my life. I was 23 years old and I was the co-head coach with Paul Del Monte at Vancouver College. At like 20, 24 years old, I was the co-head coach. I mean, wow. my goodness, I one of the, you know, the best football programs in all of uh, Canada, one of the best high school programs. And, you know, at the age of 24, here I was as the head coach, and I mean, I loved it, right? And, right. and you know, Paul and I were co-head coaches. We worked so well together. He, he basically ran the defense, I ran the offense, and we worked hard together. We were both teachers at the school, which was certainly helpful. But, you know, from that, from that, I've, you know, gone on and continued to be a head coach in the last few years. It's been nice for me because, you know, I've been able to step back and just be a position coach. And mm -hmm. working with Blake Nill has just been, amazing and pat tracy out of ubc just to watch you know how they deal with uh, all the different players and how they deal with adversity same thing that i when i worked with frank smith in the mid 80s right and you know they just had a reunion of one of their teams the last 30 40 years and uh, you know we watched they watched a little bit of a game tape of the vanier cup that they won years back right and all the comments and they had a big zoom call with everybody on there and uh, you know, Frank was on there as well. And uh, they just talking about how, you know, Coach Smith handled and dealt with uh, different situations and, you know, how, you know, he was firm, he was uh, tough at times, but he was always fair and he was always caring about the players. And that's the same, that the, one of the joys about coaching UBC the last few years is working with Blake Neal because Blake is very similar to Frank Smith. He's very, you know, he wants, um, he's very demanding uh he wants players you know have to be you step on that football field with blake neal or frank smith you know you've it's hard work all the way focus hard work and you know coach neal will take care of you he loves you he cares about you but he also wants this football team he's got that drive to succeed right so mm -hmm. it's been nice to be able to work with uh, not be the head coach and kind of just be a position coach and see how other head coaches handle things. But certainly throughout my coaching days, yeah, there's been lots of conflict and lots of uh, different people that, you know, maybe aren't on the same page. And uh, it, it happens. It's part of life, right? And right. you always want as a coaching staff, you want your opinion of the opinion of your assistant coaches. That's, you know, you value that, right? Like, what's your opinion? You're not always going to uh, you know, take that opinion and put it to work, right. but at least you, you hear, you know, somebody's opinion and you get a chance to, um, maybe implement some of the ideas that other people have, um, people on your staff and, you know, you formulate your own style as you go through, but definitely challenges, um, you know, as an educator, definitely challenges as a coach at the university level, definitely challenges uh, as a coach at the, at the high school level for myself. Yeah, lots of experience dealing with it, I'm sure. One of the things that, uh, you know, resonated with me, it was a book I was reading. I can't remember exactly where it came from, coach, but uh, it talked about dealing with criticism. And it was uh, just a concept of you can either accept the criticism or reject the criticism. So the, the concept behind it was that, if it's coming from a source that you know, you know, has you have respect for. So, you know, if, if Coach Prepchuk's giving Coach Gee some advice on quarterback coaching, that's and, and it's and maybe it's a critique on something I'm doing within a drill. 
I'm going to take it more positively. I'm going to be able to accept it because of that relationship, right? Whereas opposed to maybe something coming negatively to you, maybe on Twitter or, or on Instagram, somebody comments or, you know, gives you something negative, um, to, to be able to reject that comment because the source shouldn't matter to you, right? And just kind of that idea behind it. So whenever I'm kind of dealing with criticism, I kind of try and, okay, is this something, is this coming from a source that I should be, you know, looking at to accept? Or is it more something that, you know what, I hear it, but I'm going to reject that and, and move on, right? So um, that's just a, a process for that. Do you have, you know, anything similar in, in terms of how you deal with the criticism, the negativity? Oh, absolutely. And I think you've, you've hit it right on coach where, you know, you say, you know, who's this coming from, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, is this coming from just somebody that's always kind of complaining? I mean, you know, on social media, again, I'll get comments about, uh, you know, right now with COVID, right? There's people that, you know, are the anti-maskers that may, yeah. you know, make a comment about uh, yourself if you got a mask on or something like that, right? I right. mean, I'm usually taking those off, deleting those kind of negative comments right away, right? So it definitely comes from the source or what is, you have to look at the source, right? And and see, you know, who's come up with this comment, right? If you've, res and again, it comes down to that word respect. If you respect that person and, uh, you know, you might not always like what they have to say, but for me, I kind of have a general rule and it's so common now, of course, with in this age now, it's, you know, with emails, right? You might yeah. get an email that is a nasty email, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me now, I kind of reverted back, especially as a high school counselor and, you know, the same as coaching, right? If I get a nasty email, my, you know, a lot of people will go or a, a comment, just a comment to me that may be negative, right? Yeah. I try not to react right away, right? I just mm -hmm. take some time to reflect i don't always answer a negative email right away oftentimes i'll give it a few minutes i'll give it a half an hour and i'll you know kind of evaluate what the situation is but for myself too and you know at my, at my age i i also like to look in the mirror right mm -hmm. i don't find myself as being a you know a big ego guy and you know sometimes i'll reflect i'll wait for 10 minutes 15 minutes or a little while and i'll i'll look in the mirror and i'll kind of hey you know what? Maybe that maybe that person's yeah. right, right? Maybe right. that maybe that is a good point. Maybe mm -hmm. that is, um, you know, a point that I should take into consideration, right? And is that point going to help? You know, is that the bottom line? Is that with coaching? Is that going to help my football team? Is that going to help my basketball team? Yeah. Is that going to help my class? Right? I mean, I think that you know, words like "Hey, I made," you know, saying "I made a mistake." Right. I mean, I, you know, yeah, I, I made a mistake or, you know what, I think you're right about that. I think that, uh, you know, that's something that we should maybe take a look at, or maybe we should have, you know, we had trouble blocking this defensive line. Right. So maybe we should have gone to more of a quick game. Maybe we should have gone to more of a play action game. Maybe we should have rolled out to alleviate some of that pressure. We got sacked eight times in the game. Right. You know, we were outmanned. We couldn't pick up their blitz. Hey, we couldn't pick up their blitz. Why is that? Well, you know what? Let's look in the mirror. Did we prepare? Like we yeah. saw blitzes. They ran that same blitz against Saskatchewan last week and they ran it again and we weren't prepared for it. Right. So whose fault is that? It's not the kid's fault, right? It's not, um, you know, sometimes it is the coach's fault. Maybe we, hey, we didn't practice hard enough or, uh, and that's where it you know, comes down to a head coach, right? Um, we didn't practice hard enough or 
We didn't prepare. And how many times have we seen that with coaches after a game, especially immediately after a game? And happens a lot even now in hockey, right? Yeah. Like we didn't play very well. We weren't very well prepared. Hey, it was our fault. And those are the kind of things that, you know, you can you can look at certainly and uh, you know, evaluate, right? It's always good to it's always good to be self-evaluating. It was yeah. funny because the other day, even in my grade 10 class, you know, these these students are 15, 16 years old, and I walked in and I said, I apologize, you guys. We've had this class for two months now, and I haven't taught a certain lesson that I should have taught. And they're all like looking at me like, prep check, what are you talking about, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I did not teach you anything about driver training. And that's certainly in the curriculum, right? And certainly an important life skill that uh, will help all of us that if our young people are better drivers, of course, right? So right. I was going like, you know what? So many of you, how many of you are writing your, uh, you know, your L test coming up, right? And so many, you know, kids put their hand up and they were like, you know, we're writing it next week or writing in two weeks. Because of course, what does a kid do in BC when they turn 16? I'm sure it's the same yeah. uh, across the country, right? Absolutely. When you turn 16, what's one of the first things you do on your birthday? You want to go get your go driver's license. You want to go get your learner's license. Of course you do, right? Yeah. And I didn't. So, you know, we spent the whole class um, quizzing them on the learner's test, right? Okay. And they were like, oh, you know, Mr. Krupchuk, this is great. Oh, we're going to be, I'm, I feel way more confident. I feel more, way more prepared because I am, uh, you know, I'm ready for this test because we, we did this and we talked about it and we discussed the different questions and the different answers and so on, right? So, yeah, I mean, you certainly have to uh, think of the source, as you said, coach, think of the source, um, look in the mirror, you know, what did I do wrong here? What can I, like, we should always, always be looking to improve, right? And how do you improve? You improve by, by learning. You improve by, you know, asking people how you can improve on reading books, how to get better. I mean, 28 years for my quarterback camps and, uh, you know, many, many years of playing quarterback. And I still watch your videos of your practice. I go, coach, that's a really good drill. I love that drill. And I go like, I got to do that drill tomorrow. Right. Or I'll steal a drill from anywhere. Like you, you know, like you do coach, we'll, you know, we'll just take a drill from anywhere and we'll go like, Hey, that's a really good drill. So the learning process is, is never, it should never end for somebody, right? You should never, it should never end. Even in my class the other day, we were doing, I had some group questions and I was asking different teachers, young teachers, right? Teachers that I taught, okay. you know, what's the best way to do uh, group projects these days? Or what's the best way to uh, get kids into groups so that they're all involved and they're all, um, you know, you know, giving some answers and so on. And they feel confident in doing sure. that. Right. So as far as criticism is concerned, yeah, it's, it's going to happen and you're going to get more and more people out there that are the negatives. Right. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that I stay away from, even, you know, with some of my friends, I, Hey, I don't want to hear it. Right. Yeah. I talk to mom sometimes and my mom's like a 92 year old mom, of course, who uh, of course I love dearly. Right. But right. she's, you know, talking about this, her one of her friends, right, and talking negatively. I said, "Mom, I, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I just I don't want to hear it. Right? Yeah. I don't want to be around negative people. I don't want to be around, uh, you know, people that are always always criticizing or always being negative. Constructive criticism, yeah, that's cool. And let's always always try to find a way to do things better. Absolutely. How about you know switching gears a little bit here and talking about more in game." 
But, you know, there's as a, as a former head coach, as a play caller, OC quarterback coach, you've had a lot of big moments where you've had to make crucial decisions. Um, I'm sure you've probably been successful with, with most of those and probably had some hiccups along the way as well. I have. Um, I'm wondering, how do, you, how do you deal with that pressure in the game to not lose yourself? Yeah, well, you know, that's a great question. And I always look back at, um, you know, one particular game and one particular season, of course, my first season at UBC in 1999 as the head coach, and I was also the offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, we had we had a great football team. I am no question. I inherited a great football team. Sean Olson was a quarterback. Brad Coots was one of the wide receivers. Um, uh, we had a great offensive line and Akbal Singh was our tailback. Right. And, uh, boy, I tell you, we just, um, you know, we had, we had a great football team. And I remember that 1999, we, we, um, we're so we had a you know we we finished seven and one we lost our first game to Saskatchewan and after that I can remember sitting in the that was my first game as a head coach for university and I had after the game my staff we like at midnight we're sitting there at the staff table and we're just and the coaches are like kind of on me a little bit about hey we need to improve this we need to and I took all the notes down I took it all down we need to improve this we need to get better at this and you know that's where sometimes losing, you can learn from yeah. losing. You can learn from a negative, right? And, right. you know, how are we going to take, you know, the things that happened and improve upon them and, you know, get ourselves better, right? So definitely um, the pressure, and I remember, again, that season, you know, Ackball was just such a dominant force at the tailback position. But and those were in the old days. We just kind of ran, uh, you know, our two-by-two two and mm – -hmm. uh, and played eye backs and yep. um, you know, a full back and uh, we had a tailback, which you don't see of course very often right now. And I tell you what, you know what coach, we ran an inside ISO just to death. We had a great center. We had a great offensive line and we ran that inside ISO. I mean, Ackball gained over 300 yards, over 300 yards in two or three games that particular season. I mean, he was up for the heck trade and everything. Right. But we just kept, you know what, Simple, right? You hear it before. Keep running. We yeah. ran the ISO, right? Boom. Eight yards. Run it again. Boom. 12 yards. Boom. Six yards. Boom. 20 yards. Boom. Touchdown, right? Run. Run it. Don't get too fancy. Yeah. Run it and continue to run it until the other team stops, stops it kind of thing, right? So, but as far as the pressure is concerned, I mean, I still remember you know, halftime in that Western final against Saskatchewan at Thunderbird Stadium in the mud and the rain before we had uh, artificial turf and so on. And boy, there was there was a lot, a lot of pressure uh, on us. I can remember that game. We lost that game, unfortunately, to Saskatchewan in a real hard uh, fought battle. And um, but as far as, you know, handling the pressure and uh, dealing with situations, there's nothing that's going to be your preparation, right? If you're prepared yeah. and, you know, you know, and the players know and are on the same page, as I said before, you know, it's, hey, it's third, it's third and two. We know the play that we're going to run, right? The players know the play we're going to run. It's automatically like we can almost go to the line of scrimmage and, and call the play because that's what we worked on all week, right? That's right. what's on your ready list. That's why so many coaches, you know, have their charts, right? We have charts. What are we going to run? You know, from the other team's 35-yard line, 
uh, on second and eight? What coverage are we going to see? Yeah. What coverage are, is consistent from University of Alberta, you know, in that situation? What play is going to work against that coverage? So, you know what, there's nothing, preparation kind of breeds confidence, right? Or you get confident because of proper preparation, right? And right. confident in the sense that, you know, you know uh, that this play is going to work. Uh, you've worked it all week. You've had success with it. And now it's just a matter of, you know, everybody feeling that they're confident about running this particular play, right? So being prepared in anything, being prepared for class, being prepared for work, being prepared for a presentation. I mean, I get nervous when, you know, I'm not prepared, right? Yes. I mean, I yes. felt great about our presentation because I've been able to in the last week or so, you know, start to prepare and look at the different uh, motivational books and so on that I had and write down notes and be able to, you know, be prepared to answer questions. You've given me some questions beforehand that we're going to talk about today. And that's, that's excellent. That's exactly what, um, you know, you didn't stump me with a uh, number one to 23 quarterback that's uh, coming. quiz, uh, Just wait. quiz but um, <laughs> we, uh, which we of course had lots of fun with, right? But, you know, being prepared again, I, you know, as I've just said for the last five minutes, right? There's yeah. nothing, nothing like being prepared. And that certainly is going to breed confidence. No, I think that's so true. And, and just that that kind of relieves the uh, anxiety in the moment of what decision to make if you're already done the work ahead of time, right? So I think I think that's so but true. But also, Coach, yeah, and like even being, you know, but your demeanor too during a game, right? You can't, you know, sure, sure, sure you're going to get excitable and so yeah. on, but you've got, especially in the Canadian game, you've got you know, a matter of seconds before, hey, you've got to, you know, you got to forget about what just happened, right? And uh, take the garbage out, <laughs> you guys always say, right? Take the Garbage out, right? Garbage out. Get let go of it. Get rid of it. You got to get back, and especially if now all of a sudden, you know, it's first and ten, and you call a play, and the quarterback makes a bad read, or a kid drops a ball, or left tackle misses a block, and now it's second and fifteen, and you're like getting all excited, and you're mad at the, you're yelling at the left tackle about missing his block, and all of a sudden, you know, the game clocks at, or the shot clocks at, uh, you know, ten, fifteen. 10 seconds and now you don't have a play called and right. now you've got to burn a timeout or delay of game and now you're now you're really in trouble right so yeah. boy you really have to you know fight through all those negatives as uh, as we've talked about you know and one interesting thing i was thinking about too is like how can we put pressure on our quarterbacks in practice so that they can learn to deal with those moments kind of a little bit more organically because i'm thinking like the standard practice, you know, you're just going through plays and, you know, even if your coach is kind of putting pressure on you a little bit to, you know, complete a pass or whatnot, I don't know if you're necessarily putting the player in that real scenario. Do you have any ideas of how you can maybe create that in practice a little bit to put the QB under pressure? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. And I think a lot of times, you know, what we'll do is, you know, take, take stats at practice if you can, right? I mean, yeah. just have somebody sitting there taking stats, whether it's backup quarterback, a manager, or whatever, and, you know, against air, okay, we're, we're going against air here. I want to complete against air. You know, we should be, we should be completing 80% uh, of our passes against uh, in a Skelly situation with no rush. We should be completing 70% of our passes, say um, in team, 
um, we should be comp completing 60% of our passes, right? So keep track and make that quarterback, as well as every position, make them accountable, right? And, you know, if hopefully, again, you know, going back to what we talked about before is, you know, hopefully that quarterback has enough internal um, drive that he knows that he wants to, you know, he wants to complete. I mean, I know myself when I played, you know, I, when we played, when we did our skelly, right. I, you know, I wanted to complete every single pass. Yes. There's no reason in the world why I shouldn't complete every single pass. I don't want to, sometimes the coaches would get up on the ball and say, Oh, repeat the play. Or I could see the script. Like I never wanted to see the coverage, right. Because I always wanted that to be a challenge for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that, uh, you know, pressure is something that is certainly internal and you should hopefully, again, you've chosen a quarterback that, has that internal drive and has that internal uh, want to to complete every pass, right? Or even sometimes in practice, I guess if we're getting uh, if it's getting a little stagnant, if we're getting if we're not having a good day, let's run a little bit of lightning. Let's run a little bit of hurry up offense, right? Okay, quarterback, you call the plays. You take over, and now it's on your shoulders. And a lot of quarterbacks would be. Yeah, they love that, right? I mean, I know as a quarterback, I loved to call my own plays, right? I didn't always get the opportunity to do that. I remember way back in the 1980 Shrumble, one of our big uh, wins against UBC. We um, the play wasn't coming in, the play wasn't coming in, and I just called a play, and we okay. scored a 45-yard touchdown pass. I threw up the seam to Dave Amer. I still remember that, and. We came off the field and coach we we're all excited and so on i can still remember coach dennis kelly my offensive coordinator at the time said oh jay you should call more of your own plays right <laughs> so i was like yeah that would i would love to coach and so you know he certainly gave me the opportunity to do that a little bit but um you know that pressure again to have that come from uh from inside is so crucial and you know just to Keep, you know, hold them accountable, right? Hold the, the quarterbacks accountable and, uh, you know, really have that desire for them to excel and, you know, take each play and take as a challenge and, you know, try to um, excel on each and every play, whether it's in practice, whether you're just throwing against air, whether you're throwing one-on-ones, you know, let's, let's compete. Let's compete and let's compete every day. And that's what, you know, Pete Carroll would talk about, right, is right. you compete every day. Back at it for the fourth quarter with Coach Jay Prepchuk and Coach Gies. So, Coach Prepchuk, the uh, Aaron Rodgers saga goes on. I, I don't really know what's happening right now. He uh, didn't go to a mandatory minicamp this past week, so he's losing money. Uh, who knows if they'll actually find him that money or not. Um, have you been following the situation? Do you have any, any insight on what's going on? Do you see it getting resolved? Yeah, I've been following a little bit. I, I just maybe he's putting too much time into jeopardy. I don't know. in, in hosting, <laughs> in hosting jeopardy, but, uh, you know what? I, I, it's kind of I, interesting that, uh, you know, he's taking this approach now as opposed to say, you know, last year when it first happened. Right. I mean, right. he was, uh, whether he just kind of bit his tongue last year or what he did. Right. But, you know, I think, you know, being disappointed, I would be more disappointed in the fact that, you know, you, you didn't waste, but you certainly used a a draft pick on a, your number one draft pick on another quarterback yeah. where, 
you could have used that number one draft pick on, you know, a wide receiver, right? And getting a wide, you know, there's a lot of obviously great wide receiver. I mean, imagine if Aaron Rodgers, you know, had Claypool to throw to last year, right? Yes. I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers has talented receivers, right? But uh, gosh, if he had a number one draft pick. So I, I remember seeing a stat somewhere saying something about, uh, I think Aaron Rodgers in his entire career has thrown one touchdown pass to a number one draft pick in uh, their organization and i think it was a tight end or something right that's no longer with the football team right so i thought that was an interesting stat right mm -hmm. so you know what who knows really the inside the ins and outs i mean uh it could be contract it could be um you know a, a number of, of of different things right and it's just you know unfortunate that a team has to kind of lose focus over something like that when you know obviously they're a contender uh you know they've got such a young head coach guy he's probably like you know oh this is i mean i'm sure it's just eating him up For every sure. second of the day and taking up so much and we talk about energy we talk about negative positive energy i'm sure he's taking up it's taking up so much of his negative uh energy right so you know what it's just it's professional sports, right? And it's it's going to happen. I mean, look at all the great ones from the Gretzkys to uh, the Montanas to the Steve Youngs. They've all been, you know, they've all kind of gone through it, right? And right. I think nowadays it's even more uh, kind of, uh, you know, with the media and so on, it's, it's out there a lot more, right? And there's a lot more media attention. And of course, right now, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's obviously basketball, hockey playoffs and so on, right? But the media, especially in the NFL, they're always looking for, I mean, they hyped and went through the NFL draft and now the draft is over. And so they're kind of just looking for the next story to chew on, right? Um, and this is the one that obviously comes up. So I think it's just unfortunate, especially for the Packer fans out there, because you, you, you just lose so much focus. And, uh, you know, what, is it, what do his teammates think of him, right? I mean, right. obviously they know that... Um, He's going to be, uh, you know, he's he's the catalyst. He's the leader of the team. And when Aaron Rodgers is successful, the team is successful, right? But I guess as an organization, you can also look at the fact that, hey, this is going to give the young guy love uh, uh, more reps, right? It's going to give them a chance to see, you know, where he, how he fits in or where, um, you know, where he is at and the progress that he's at, right? And maybe they're, you know, going to show that he's, if he's good enough, maybe they could, they could trade him if they feel, you know, he's he's a good enough player. But for other teams that are looking for quarterbacks, certainly they don't, you know, they don't know what he can do, right? So right. this is, you know, that's a positive maybe to turn it around and make it a positive mm -hmm. is that at least to give the kids some reps and you can find out one way or the other. If Because I think, you know, his contract would be up, I believe, probably after this year, right? And, you know, where where do they go? What direction do they go with this, right? right. They're, they're kind of seeing obviously looking at the future and you know what's life going to be like after aaron Rodgers. well is love our guy or is he not our guy so it gives that uh, organization an opportunity to see where they're at with the quarterback position and this week also coach there's been some positive news in terms of cfl i believe there's a, a voting meeting tomorrow that's going to happen um and just you know i can speak locally here in our province our uh, kind of unveiling of the reopening plan sort of starting July 1st, you know, is kind of positive for us and we're really pushing the vaccine and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I know that there's, there's been a lot of positive information about the potential of the CFL. 
what are your feelings on the season coming for 2021? Do you, do you think it's going to happen? Yeah, I really do. And uh, gosh, it's just like, man, I miss this. All right. It's just that June, you know, you miss the training camp reports. I usually like to get up and uh, go to training camp and uh, see, even though in Vancouver, of course, our media is so Vancouver Canucks oriented. I mean, it's still the middle of June or the end of the end of June. And, uh, you know, the first four or five pages are still Vancouver Canucks hockey instead of BC Lions during the during the season, right? Which kind of drives me crazy a little bit. But <laughs> I think that, uh, boy, I, sh- I think we really miss it. And I know, you know, being a Prairie guy and growing up at Taylor Field and uh, just having the Rough Riders uh, is such an important part of our lives uh, growing up that I think, um, you know, it's just a, it's just a good it's a, it's a good thing to have, obviously, right? I mean, it's a good um, way to spend your week. I still remember, again, living and growing up in Regina and, you know, mom revolving, you know, home game we'd, or an away game watching on TV, right? We'd, our whole week would be, you know, revolving around what when the when do the riders play? What time do the riders play? Uh, we've got to make sure that uh, we're all ready and we're, you know, dressed warmly and all be prepared for uh, the environment and so on, right? So I think that, uh, you know, a good buddy of mine is Glenn Suter and, uh, of course, who is such a fantastic, um, uh, uh, you know, an analysis with TSN. And, uh, gosh, I know that uh, he's just like, oh, man, he just obviously it's his livelihood, it's his job, he misses it so much, right? And, you know, just to have that... Uh, day-to-day interaction with something that we love like like football right and you know nothing like sitting down and I loved it when throughout the summer especially when we had the you know you had the Thursday game you had the Friday game you had the Saturday game and uh and oftentimes a Sunday game right so it was nice to have football on all those different days of the week and then you know into Labor Day of course we would always have the weekend games right and yeah. those were always tough because we were always coaching at the time and it wasn't always easy to easy to you know watch football games during your season right but certainly i miss the july the nice july days when hey the football game is going to be on in an hour let's you know let's get everything done and just be able to sit down and listen to glenn and listen to um you know, watch the Rough Riders play or whoever it might be, right? So, gosh, I think, you know, we're just waiting. And again, as you know, with Simon Fraser, we're waiting to see if the border opens, uh, waiting to see what happens with that. So, you know, let's just hope that we can, uh, the players come back that, uh, you know, are making the league such a great league and uh, coaches can put their organization together and we can get uh, back in the stands and back in at the, uh, to the stadiums and, and watch some CFL football because I think it's really, really, I think it's really missed. And uh, I, I certainly hope that uh, we're able to get back and uh, watch some CFL football this summer. Absolutely. And hopefully the... And the Great Cup, right? Yeah. Missing the Great Cup, right? Like, yeah. how, do you, how does that work on the third Sunday of November, right? You're like looking around, there's something missing. <laughs> What's missing? Oh, it's the Great Cup. Oh, man. Yeah, That's absolutely. Tough. Well, hopefully the hopefully the vote goes well tomorrow, and and we get some positive news. Um, we we've made mention of our uh, our QB's number game that I put you through the first the first time you were on with me. So uh, I thought it was only suiting for us to uh, to finish today. We're playing the same game, but I want to flip it here, Coach. So today I'm going to take the odd number jerseys, and again we're gonna we're gonna reference any uh, any pro quarterback that comes to mind. And kind of why you picked that guy. So, again, are you ready to roll? 
I'm ready to roll here. Let's. Uh, what, what number are we going up to again? We're going to go to well, 20 or? Well, yeah, sure. We'll go up to 20. We'll go I guess 20. that's. Yeah. There's not too many. Uh, there's not too many quarterbacks in the in the 20s besides our our guy uh, Ron Lancaster, right? Number yeah. 23, which we extended the game last time too. Exactly. So <laughs> I got some good old old CFL guys even before your uh, time there. I think, Coach. Perfect. I love it. All right. Okay. Well, let's get her going. Okay. Jersey number one. I'm going to start with uh, CFL legend and then, you know, obviously went to the NFL and had a great long career in Warren Moon. Beautiful. All right. Okay, number two, let's go with the uh, old uh, guy that beat my riders. What in the great cup game that did roll out to the right, hit Tony Gabriel on a corner route. It's old Tommy Clements. I think he's still coaching the NFL. He was coaching in Green Bay for many years. I'm not sure yeah. where he is now, but Tommy Clements, I still see him. Throwing that beautiful pass to Tony Gabriel in the end zone. Damn. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So for Jersey number three, we've talked a lot today about mindset and about uh, mind coaches and psychological stuff. We talked about Russell Wilson. So number three, Russell Wilson. Beautiful. Gotcha. Okay. Number four, our guy coming back to the Riders, great cup uh, championship quarterback, our Darian Durant. There you go, Darian Double Durant. D. Yeah, double D. He was a good quarterback. I like Darian. Okay, uh, number five. You know what? I'm going to go with another rider legend, Mr. Kent Austin. Ah, yes, yeah. that Grey Cup game. I yeah. was at that 1989 Grey Cup at the Sky Dome. There you Dave go. Dave Ridgeway, field goal help, or the winning field goal helped by Glenn Suter. That was uh, one of the best Grey Cup games ever, 1989. At, at being in the end zone, watching that game with the Ryder fans, it was just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, Coach, why was Suter the holder? Uh, you know what? He just started doing that uh, when he was a rookie. He was an actual – he was an ex-quarterback mm. when he was uh, in high school at Carson Graham High School okay. and um, transferred to defensive back when he – went to Simon Fraser and we played together and it was just something that uh, a skill that he kind of picked up that he always did in high school and uh, I think he was smart as a, a rookie with the Rough Riders and uh, you know interesting thing about Glenn 11 or 12 years with the Rough Riders never ever missed a game right and really? uh, he knew as a as a rookie that you know one of the ways to make teams was on special teams and uh, so he was um, you know he was a special teams guy and uh that was one of the ways that he uh, he made the football team, right? And then he developed a great relationship with Ridgeway, and Ridgeway only wanted Glenn Holding, and uh, that's how kind of the story went from there. But that's a good question. Yeah, well, I always found it interesting that a defensive back was holding for the field goal kick. So that, yeah. that's cool. He could throw. He threw a, I don't know what, what his completion ratio was, but I think he, he had to throw a couple of passes in there. But it's interesting because he still, to this day, I, I – like you know, like to coach the field goal holders, right? And I talked to Glenn, and I actually, even to this day, I videotape the field goal holders, and I show Glenn the tape. Okay. And he he analyzes them oh, for me, cool. right? That's and awesome. he says, "Oh, this kid's got to do this better, or this kid's got to do this, or just put your foot this way, or put your foot that way." And uh, it's interesting. He still has a passion and loves it when I uh, share, whether it's a ten-year-old kid or whether it's a twenty-year-old kid at uh, UBC or SFU. Glenn likes to help out and critique the field goal holders that uh, when I show them some tape. Very cool. Okay, back to the game. I think we're on number six, Coach. 
Number got? six, again, another old timer. I don't know why these these old timers, I'm kind of reminiscing here. I'm getting back to some of the old school stuff. There's not a lot of number sixes. I know in the NFL, of course, uh, Jay Cutler, kind of we love yeah. him or hate him, up and down yeah. kind of guy. But uh, J.C. Watts, the old Ottawa Rough Riders. I think, what is he, a, a politician, a governor or something down in uh, – down in the states now, but do you yeah. remember J.C. Watts? Do you... I, I I don't remember him, but I have seen some highlights. So, <laughs> good honesty. Yeah, I do recall <laughs> the name. Okay, uh, jersey number seven. I'm thinking about Jeff Garcia when he played for the Stamps. I really, I really, right. li- I really like Garcia. Then he was a, a pretty dynamic quarterback, obviously playing for the Stamps after uh, Doug Flutie. So. Number seven. That's right, he was. Garcia. Yeah, he actually spoke at our uh, Orange Helmet dinner. I got a really good picture of Jeff Garcia and myself, right? So, yeah, he was uh, – wasn't he a great well, – how about a great – that delivery that he had, eh? Man, yeah. could he throw the football, right? Absolutely. He really uh, loved watching that delivery. I think his dad was a – well, his dad was a coach, right? Yeah. And probably taught him as a young, young kid. So, who do you got for okay, – Number, number eight, Number right? eight, yeah. Okay. Looking at uh, – well, of course, Steve Young. Great, yeah. great quarterback. But going back again to the old BC Lions, uh, the year that, you know, a couple of years where the Lions would just come back and win these incredible games. So I think it was kind of somewhere in the uh, mid-70s, right, the cardiac k- kids kind of thing. Jerry Taggy, number eight Ooh, from the BC go. Lions. He was, uh, I think, a Nebraska quarterback. But Jerry Taggy was uh, another old-timer there, Coach. I pulled out of the hat. <laughs> okay, okay, I like it. All right, so for jersey number nine, I'm going to make a little shift here and go with he's been recently traded to the L.A. Rams. I don't know what number he's rocking there, but for the Detroit Lions, Matt Stafford. Big arm Stafford. Yeah, I love it. I think it's a great trade for both teams, and I keep on telling people that I think Stafford's going to be an all-pro next year. But I think Stafford's going to be a great great quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. So, uh up to number 10 again, another old timer yeah. coach. Again, guys that are <laughs> earlier, a great BC Lion was uh, Paul Brothers, was a great BC Lion. Oh my goodness, again, when I was a little guy growing up for the Calgary Stampeders, number 10, Jerry Keeling was a great quarterback as well for the Calgary Stampeders. I remember battling against the Rough Riders, and uh, Jerry Keeling was another number 10 quarterback for the. Uh, the BC Lions. I'm trying to kind of staying in there in the CFL, right? Yeah. And loving the loving our CFL. For sure. Okay. I'm going to try and stay with the CFL here with number 11. I'm going to throw it back. This is a, a Blue Bomber classic. Uh, I actually got to meet him. He worked with my mom a little bit, and then I was able to coach his grandson, and his grandson was a really good quarterback as well. But number 11, Kenny Plain. Oh, Right, yeah. Kenny Plain. There you go. That's that's pulling. I thought you were going to say Wally Gabler there, but oh. that was even. I don't even know if Wally Gabler was number eleven, but uh, yeah, Kenny Plain. That was seems a great one, wasn't he? Yeah. Boy, that's uh, that's a good one. Number twelve. Okay. Well, hey, there's a guy I guess named Tom Brady, right? That uh, <laughs> how can you uh, not uh, you know say Tom Brady? No matter what you say, right? He's right. he's the greatest, Tom Brady. Okay. Okay. I like it. Uh, number 13, uh, my heart says Dan Marino, but for the show and for the Canadian content, I want to go with AC Anthony Calvillo, who I want to get on this show. So I, I really uh-huh. like AC, number 13. Right. Mike Riley's number 13 too, right? Yes, he is. I believe. But Calvillo, I think, is Calvillo working for the uh, Alouettes now? So yes, he, he should be able to do a little, little promo for you there, right? I hope, I hope so, yeah. There you go. Good. 
Okay, number 14, 14. Travis Lule. Travis Lule. Travis, heart and soul of the BC Lions, most valuable player in the CFL, a great cup champion, and uh, been to many of my camps, just a super, super guy. Okay, okay. Number 15. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with another CFL guy. This is from a while ago. Do you remember Neilon Green? Yeah, of course. Yeah, for Saskatchewan Roughrider. Yeah, I'm on Facebook yeah. with Neilon Green. He's coaching, doing some quarterback coaching down in the States right now. Nice. Nice. Neilon Green with an E on the end of the E. E right. on the end of Green, I think. Right. Uh, Neilon Green, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I remember he... Boy, uh, he, had, boy, he had a strong arm, right? He had a strong arm, super athlete. I remember... He was buddies with, uh, when I was at the Bisons in 2000, there was a couple guys that were drafted into the CFL in, I guess, from the 99 season. There were teammates with him. Well, Craig Hart was his teammate in uh, in Edmonton at one point. I got, we got to meet each other, and he was a really cool guy. So I really like Neil oh, nice. Green. Who do, you got, who do you got for 16, Coach? Okay, number 16, I'm not going to give you a, I'm not going to give you a hint or anything, but here is a great book. You quarterbacks out there, this guy right here, maybe somebody's heard of this guy right here. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, Joe Montana. Right. Okay. Okay. Joe Montana. I don't think you need to really explain much more than that. Okay. No. <laughs> Jersey number 17. Hmm. This Whoa. one, not a lot of guys wear 17, right? 17. Um, you know who was a big arm quarterback in the CFL in the 90s that I really liked that actually, again, played for your riders? I believe took him to the Grey Cup, but lost to Doug Flutie, Toronto Argonauts, was Reggie Slack. Oh, good one, Coach. Yeah. Pulled that one out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Reggie Slack, he yeah. had, boy, did he have a strong arm. Yeah, Very similar delivery, I think, to Neilon Green. But, uh, Coach, that's a good one. I was kind of stumped on uh, on 17. There's not a lot of uh, number 17s yeah. in um in the quarterback world, is there even in the CF, even in the NFL, right? I don't know only, many. Uh, Phil a couple Rivers. of 19s, Phil, right? But Phil not Phil Rivers is the so. only guy I can think of, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, number 18. So, yeah. again, you go with, uh, <laughs> you know, Peyton Manning, right? Absolutely. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, just a real quickie on Peyton Manning, Coach, it's funny because, you know, I, when I talked to the quarterbacks about handing the ball off, right? You know, mm -hmm. keep the ball flat, get it in their tummy. And I go back to that great that Super Bowl when Peyton Manning, when they played against the Chicago Bears yes. in Indianapolis, and it was pouring rain that day in from Miami. And uh, Peyton Manning was handing off up in his shoulder pads. It hit his shoulder, hit the shoulder pads, and it bounced down and fumbled. Right, and it's going like even in the greatest game, you know, the biggest game of the year, the biggest game, biggest stage, and they're still fundamentally they did. You know, Peyton Manning made a mistake. Same right. as. He fumbled the snap from center. He was under the center, didn't push up with his bottom hand, and they fumbled the snap. Chicago Bears recover the ball, right? I mean, Indianapolis obviously went on to win that Super Bowl, but uh, two fundamental uh, mistakes by, you know, Peyton Manning. I got a chance to get real close to him and watch him in warm-up, you know, a few years ago when I was down watching uh, the playoff game in Denver against uh, Drew, uh, against Rivers. And uh, Oh, Rivers is 17, wasn't yeah. he? There we go. Yeah. Um, against Rivers and that was quite a quite a spectacle to be basically standing beside Peyton Manning as he was warming up. So number eighteen, Peyton Manning coach. Love it. All right. Okay, I'm gonna this is my last pick. I'm gonna finish strong with uh I don't can't remember if he won the CFL MOP in twenty nineteen, 
but he's definitely probably the CFL's best QB right now for the Calgary Stampeders, Bo Levi Mitchell. Good stuff. Yes, absolutely. There's your number 19. Yeah. And uh, boy, we'll talk about uh, what a competitor he is, right? What a what a great player he is, that's for sure. So uh, number 20, we're going to finish strong here, Coach. Yeah. I mean, you know, how one of the one of the greatest players, no question, right, is uh, Doug Flutie, right? Yes. I mean, how do you ever, if you were going to pick a team, and especially a CFL team, right, and you was all CFL team, gosh, I'd hate to not say Ron Lancaster, but how would you not pick Doug Flutie on yeah. your all CFL team? My goodness, that would be uh, that would be the guy that I would go with. Number twenty, Doug Flutie. Oh, I love it. Great pick, Coach. Oh, is he twenty two? He he, he wore, was twenty at one time. No, he wore both. He wore twenty two in DC, <laughs> and then he wore twenty for Calgary, and then he wore number two in Toronto. Toronto, that's right. And then that's I think when he went to Buffalo, he was number seven, and then he wore seven for a while in the NFL. Right. He he bounced he bounced around, but uh, but great way to finish, Coach. Too, right? Yeah. So uh, I think you you fared up a lot better today. You already knew the game. You were prepared, right? Kind of kind of going back into what we talked about. So, uh, yeah, that went a lot more smooth today. That was awesome, Coach. Uh, unfortunately, we're at the end of the podcast. It's been awesome to talk mindset mentorship with you today. Um. You know, I want to I want to thank the audience again who's listening. I've got uh, a number of tremendous guests lined up for the near future, and, and having somebody on like yourself, coach, is, is you know just adds more to what we're doing here. Um, you know, did you enjoy yourself today, coach? Oh, I love it. I'm like, let's go some more here, coach. <laughs> like hooked off my golf game. Can wait today, but no, I hey, anytime. I'm honored, coach, and uh, love everything you're doing. Love your passion and. Uh, you know, it's just so exciting when I get on my phone and I see some of your, I know you'll get back to it soon and uh, see some of your posts and all the great things you're doing with uh, the young people in uh, Winnipeg and Manitoba. Hopefully I'll get a chance to get back out there. But, you know, for any of you out there, folks out there, when you if you come to Vancouver and you get a chance or you want to send me some tape of your quarterbacks or you want to ask me any questions about uh, anything to do with football, sports, uh, working with kids, um, I would love to answer again, just Jay prep check on Instagram, Twitter, and, uh, Facebook, Facebook's still going, I guess. Eh? That's, yeah. It's kind of old school, right? You're, I'm sure your kids are like looking at Facebook. What's Facebook? <laughs> My students, Facebook. What's, but I can't get on Snapchat. I'm too old for Snapchat, but, uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, I can still be on uh, Instagram. So right. anybody out there ever want to give me a call or uh, phone me and, uh, let's talk football. Let's talk about kids. Let's talk about motivation. Let's talk about uh, doing the right thing, working hard, and uh, and smiling. Look go. at all the positives, right? Let's let's keep it rolling and do all those great things with kids out there. Awesome. All right, Coach. Best of luck with the borders reopening for your season at Simon Fraser. And thanks again for being on today. Uh, you take care. Thanks, Coach. Take care. All right.